Good morning, Canyon Hills. It's so great to see each and every one of you joining us this morning for our outdoor tent service. And good morning to all of you who are joining us online as well for our live stream service. I really do believe that God has brought you here and made you come online today for a very specific reason to hear this message. Because we're ending our season of Thanksgiving, I wanted to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about how we really can be thankful in the midst of bad times. Because we really are going through some rough times in our world right now, and it's difficult for us to find the goodness in it, reasons to be thankful in the midst of it. So we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. Before we start, I just wanted to say that, you know, I am very privileged, and I've had the honor of serving here at Canyon Hills for the last seven and a half years. And during that time, I've gotten to grow not just physically, but spiritually under the leadership of Pastor Carlos and also Pastor Larry. And during that time, I have just seen them again and again and again remain dedicated in their faith, stand strong in the face of adversity as this world has thrown some pretty incredible things at them. I mean, if you just think about what's happened in the last seven and a half years, we've gone to war as a nation. We've had uprisings. We've had terrorist attacks. We've had riots and protests and vandalism, natural disasters, and now a global pandemic. And in a normal scenario, it's pretty impressive to watch them lead. But I can say over the last few months since the coronavirus has happened, what I've realized is that the greater the challenge that comes their way, the greater they step up to lead and to lead us as a church. And I think that we as a church are so grateful and so lucky to have such wonderful, powerful, godly influences leading us through everything that the world provides at us. And I'm just grateful for that. Yeah. And I'm grateful for the opportunity I have to serve on this staff as well, to be a part of this and witness it firsthand. In the same token, I'm also very grateful for my wife, Tiffany, and she's watching online this morning. And just in the midst of this pandemic and the chaos that's existed around us, as there's been a lot of times when I've wanted to lose my cool or think, oh man, what's going on in the world? She has kept me level-headed. She has kept me calm and at bay. And so I'm really grateful for her influence and for all the things that she's put in my life that I have to be thankful for as well. And in fact, most of my message this morning has been inspired by her. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but I'm just very grateful for Tiffany. And the reason I bring this up is not to boast about these people whatsoever or how great my life is because I got these cool influences in it, but it's really to say that I think we all could use some more gratitude in our lives, especially right now in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of coronavirus, in the midst of this troubling season of life, we all could use some reasons to be thankful, to exhibit some sort of gratitude in our life because it's difficult right now. We find ourselves complaining more than giving thanks. And I think a lot of us are actually stepping into this and really taking stock of this because during this pandemic, we've been forced to stay at home with our loved ones. And a lot of complaining has started from that, hasn't it? As you've gotten to know more about the people that you married and the people that you live with and their quirks and the different things that are happening in the house, it's led to a lot of complaining, maybe. Or maybe about your house that you live in or your working environment. Everything just gives us a reason to complain because that's our nature. We love to complain. For instance, you know, at the very beginning of this pandemic, I had the opportunity to work from home for a little bit. And as we were working from home, I live with my wife, Tiffany, my son, Oliver, and our two cats, Callie and Bentley. But what I came to realize in my time at home is there's a fifth member of our household that I've never seen, but is there. And we lovingly refer to it as the ghost. And the ghost, I don't believe in ghosts, but the ghost is the one that turns the motion light on in the bathroom or flushes the toilet right after we put Oliver to sleep and it wakes him back up. 
The ghost is the same one that turns the Xbox on in the living room while we're cooking dinner, and then Tiffany and I have to look at each other and be like, well, it's on, we might as well play now, right? You know, it's just these random things, and we don't believe in ghosts whatsoever, but it's easier for us to complain to something like that than rather than complain towards each other. Man, I can't believe the light woke Oliver up when we spent almost an hour trying to put him down to sleep. This is ridiculous. And maybe you've had that same kind of experience in your home where you don't have a ghost, but if you have kids, I'm willing to bet you do have another member of your household and that has a name. It's either nobody or it wasn't me. Nobody left the juice carton on the counter instead of putting it back in the fridge. It wasn't me peed on the toilet seat and didn't wipe it up. Nobody threw the trash on the floor when the trash can was sitting right there. It wasn't me left their dirty dish on the table rather than putting it in the sink. See, there's all of these things that we look at and it just fills us with a heart of complaining, an attitude. We're like, oh man, I can't believe this. I've got to do this. And it just riles us up on the inside because the reality is we love to complain. It's part of our human nature. It's part of who we are as human beings. We just natural response in most things in our life is to complain. And it's really interesting as we really start to grab a hold of this because what I found out and what I, I struggle to understand is that complaining is so prevalent in our lives that Gen Z kids have a title for complainers. Do you guys know what the title is? It's a Karen. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I see some of you like, oh yeah, okay, I get it, right? I don't understand that because the Karens I know are some of the most wonderful people in life. But apparently this name Karen has come to refer to someone who just complains about the most random things and it makes people upset. Perfect example is I was reading on a social media post of a teenager who worked at Starbucks and had an interaction with a woman in the drive-thru. And I'm gonna abbreviate it for you kind of. She said that she went in her morning shift like she normally does and this lady pulled up to the drive-thru and she did her typical greeting. Good morning, ma'am, how can I uh, help you? What can I get for your order? And the lady on the other end of the speaker box, where it was, she says, I'll have a hot, cold brew. I'll have a hot, cold brew. To which the lady is like, eh, that's ridiculous. We don't sell hot, cold brew. That's kind of opposite of its name. It's a cold brew. You can't have a hot, cold brew. So she said, I'm sorry, ma'am. We don't sell hot, cold brews. We have a cold brew. Can I get that for you? To which the lady just went off on her. How dare you call me ma'am? How dare you come and tell me what is available on your menu? I've been coming to Starbucks every single morning during this pandemic, and I always get my hot, cold brew. I can't believe you don't know your menu well enough. What are you, new? And she just kept typing this long rant about what this lady said to her. It was very demeaning. And so towards the end of her rant, the lady finally said over the, the speaker box, and she said, you know what? Let me talk to someone grown up. Let me talk to your manager. And so the lady put her on hold and went and she talked to her manager who was probably roughly the same age as she was. But she said, hey, you know, I got this lady who's asking for a hot cold brew. What should I do? And the manager said, just give her a hot coffee. <laughs> and so she went back. She's like, all right, ma'am, go ahead and pull forward. So the lady pulled forward. They exchanged money. And she handed her a hot Pike's Peak Roast black coffee to which the lady sipped and said, see, hot cold brew. You really should know what you're going to talk about instead of wasting my time and sped off. To which the teenager posted and said, I hope you enjoy your hot, cold brew, Karen. <laughs> you see, the reason I say this is because we've just identified this name Karen stereotypically as someone who complains about the most random things. Because the truth is we love to complain. We complain about everything, not just hot, cold brew coffee. We complain about the weather. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too windy. We complain about the pandemic. I can't believe I have to wear a mask. I can't believe there's a 10 o'clock curfew and all the bars and the restaurants were shutting down because that's my jam. I have a party after 10. This is ridiculous. Or the other side, I can't believe masks aren't being enforced. 
Can't believe people aren't taking this pandemic more seriously. Can't you see the numbers? People complain about their working environment. Can't believe I've got to work from home, attend another Zoom conference. I've got kids running in the background. I've got oh, a spouse who just keeps nagging me, trying to get me to do chores when I should be doing work. This is unbearable. Yet these are the same people who maybe complained at the very beginning of the pandemic and said, you know what, work is taxing. I'm working all the time. I'm working on the weekends. I just wish there was a way that I could work from home. We complain about everything. So much so that I, I would pose to you this morning that we have a new pandemic. Not just the pandemic of the coronavirus, but it's the pandemic of complaining. And we as Christians, we need to learn how to flatten the curve on complaining. We really need to take stock and figure out what it is that's coming from our hearts and coming from our mouths and find a way to shift our complaining attitude to a thanksgiving attitude, to a grateful, a gratitude of gratitude, if you will. And it's difficult for us to do sometimes. You know, Proverbs chapter 15 says this, look at this. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Hear that? A happy heart makes the face cheerful. Doesn't that sound wonderful? See, you don't need Botox. You don't need some anti-aging serum. If you want a facelift, put a smile on your face. <laughs> the easiest way to do it. And it begins to change the reality of your life, of what's truly on the inside, because you begin to reflect that in your life. But this isn't just some biblical concept I'm throwing at you this morning. This has actually been proven psychologically and scientifically as well. In researching this message, I came across this article in a psychological magazine that talked about the benefits of having gratitude in your life. It listed five positive things that you can see, visibly see in your life if you start to live a life of gratitude. Take a look at these. This is so cool. First, it eliminates toxic emotions. Secondly, it reduces pain. Third, it improves sleep quality. Fourth, it aids stress regulation. And fifth, it reduces anxiety and depression. Huh. Does that sound like a miracle drug? Is that something we all could use a little bit more of right now? How do we get this? How do we get this in our life? Well, it comes by living a life of gratitude, by really seeking to understand what that means. And why do we need gratitude? Because of this. I really believe that gratitude is a gateway to peace. Gratitude is a gateway to peace that starts to live in our lives and be manifested through every single thing that we do. But like I said, this isn't just something biblical. It's not just something scientific. This is something that I've actually seen lived out in my own life. As I said earlier, Tiffany was the inspiration for my message this morning, and this is where it fits in. Tiffany and I have been married for a little over four years. And during that time, over the course of four years, we've had some really great seasons, and we've had some really trying seasons. And since the coronavirus started, we've been in more trying seasons than we have in good seasons. And I have her permission to share this with you this morning, but Tiffany has really been battling with anxiety, so much so that it's led to depression. Really bad, severe depression, where she has no self-worth, no self-confidence. She feels like a failure as a mother, a failure as a, a wife, and figures, why do I even bother? Why do I even keep trying? And in the midst of these seasons, she's been praying and saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. I just feel empty inside. I don't get it. And as she was praying, she really felt God impress on her life to have a change of mind. She felt him say, you know what? You really need to take stock of what you have in your life to be thankful for. Get your priorities straight and in line. And so she started thinking, man, what does that look like? What is it that I'm thankful? What do I have to be thankful for in my life? 
And what she realized as she started thinking about it and praying over it is that she feels gratitude and thanksgiving in her life when other people offer to pray for her, offer to come alongside of her and let her know that they're thinking about her and that she's not alone. And it's really started to help her get out of that pit of despair, to rescue her from the anxiety that's overwhelming in her life. So much so that she was moved by it when she started thinking about it and said, you know what, during this pandemic, how can I return the favor? How can I make sure that other people feel the same thing? It's hard to do when we're isolated, we're under curfews and quarantines, right? So she decided every single Sunday without fail to post on her social media on Facebook or Instagram, how can I be praying for you today? And over the course of the last few months, she's had quite a few people respond and reach out to her and get prayer. And it's opened up this beautiful connection between her and other people. And it started to bring some real gratitude and joy in her life that's helped rescue her from the pit of despair. And one of the things I love about Tiffany the most is that most of you may have seen her posting these on Facebook and Instagram, but what you haven't seen is even in the midst of her faithfully doing this again and again and again, she's been struggling worse and worse and worse. She's been hit with some pretty hard times. But what's mattered the most to her doesn't matter what I'm going through. It matters that I'm helping other people. And she finds gratitude in her life when she starts to reach out and help other people. To ask simply, how can I be praying for you? And she's done it without fail every single Sunday. And it's just so inspiring to me to see her do this because that's what it means to have a heart of gratitude. To be able to look past your present situation and look for the positive, things to be grateful for in the midst of whatever it is that's going on in your life. It's so powerful. I'm gonna pause for the train real quick. You know, maybe today this is you. Maybe you find yourself overwhelmed with anxiety or depression or you're confused or you feel lost or you feel just hopeless with everything that's going on in the world around you. I'd like to present to you that there's a cure for that. And that cure is to have a heart of gratitude, is to really search in the midst of that deepest, darkest situation that you're finding and look for the positive, look for the silver lining in it. So I guarantee if you look hard enough, you're gonna find it. But I wanna share with you a testimony from someone in our church who went through a very similar experience, who had a very rough encounter growing up, but yet found a way to find positive in it and actually turn it into something amazing. Listen to Diane Langen's story. Hi, my name is Diane Langen, and I'm here to share with you just a little bit of my journey. Um, starting way back when I was a toddler, uh, my biological dad, um, decided he didn't want to be a dad or a husband anymore. So he divorced my mom and uh, left us four children. Um, and he decided to, to justify his leaving his family, that he would lie to um, anyone who asked and say that my little brother and I were not his. Well, you can just imagine the damage that that did to a young child, the confusion that it caused. Um, and then on up into teen years and into my young adulthood, um, it caused all kinds of emotional chaos. So I had some business to do with God, and luckily um, God was right there for me when I called out to him. He um, told me very clearly that I was his child, that I was lovable, and that he had always been my father. Um, so my heavenly father, um, gave me a tremendous amount of healing as well as taught me how to forgive my biological dad 
and um, out of that, um, I have developed a ministry. That came after I became a um, counselor and a life coach. Um, I started a support group for women called Making Peace with Your Fathers, and it is specifically for women that have broken relationships with their fathers or a father figure and have struggled with some of the same issues that I have. Um, and whether you're struggling with abuse, uh, with abandonment, neglect, um, or you know someone that has, there is help for you. I want to tell you there is hope. Um, God can walk you through that process of forgiveness and healing. And uh, we're gonna bring this support group to Canyon Hills next January. It is going to be uh, coincide with life groups. So if you know um, someone or you yourself struggles with that, please reach out to me or call me. It'll be in all of the Canyon uh, Hills information. And uh, you do not have to live in the shadow of that pain any longer. Thank you. Diane, I'm inspired by your story and by taking just such a rough situation and finding a way to turn it into something so powerful and so positive. And that's really what it means to have that heart of gratitude, to find those positive things, to find the effect that you really can make learning from your experiences and to help other people and find that reconciliation and that forgiveness that exists. You know, with our remaining time this morning, I want us to take a look at a passage from Philippians chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Philippians four. And Pastor Carlos mentioned it last week, a specific, one verse from it, Philippians 4.4, 4, but I want to expand upon it this morning with you. And as we turn there, I, I want us to understand something before we actually start reading. And as we read, we need to know that Paul, who's writing this, Paul was in prison. What was Paul currently experiencing as he wrote this? He was isolated. He was alone. He was kind of quarantined from the world. He had uncertainty probably some fear and some doubt. I think maybe a lot of us can relate to those feelings right now with everything that's going on in the world around us. And I want us to keep that in mind as we start to read Paul's words because it's really gonna impact how you interpret and how you understand what he has to say because it just blows my mind every time I read this knowing that that's where he's coming from. Take a look at this in Philippians chapter four, starting with verse four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Now, growing up, if you ever had a parent say, I'm gonna say it again, <laughs> you knew that it was something important, right? You knew that it was something that you had to pay attention to because something important was gonna happen, good or bad. And this is what Paul is doing. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say it again in case you didn't hear it the first time. Rejoice in the Lord. Isn't that incredible that that's the words that come out of his mouth while he's in prison? Rejoice in the Lord. You know, the word rejoice, when we start to break it down and look at it in the Greek, is this word hiero. And in the Greek, the word hiero, it means to be glad, which is very typical of this definition, but there's a more beautiful definition deeper within it. The root word for hiero is the word hiris in the Greek. And it actually means grace, God's unmerited favor, getting something that we don't deserve. And this is what Paul is painting for us this beautiful picture. He says, look, the reason why I can rejoice in the midst of prison and the midst of my situation is because my circumstances don't dictate my ability to celebrate. I have a deeper reason to rejoice. There's something more powerful. There's something greater in my life that is the source of my joy. And what is it? Well, he continues on. Take a look at this. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. God's with him in prison. God's with us in a pandemic. God's with us in our rough times. He says, this is the reason I rejoice because being in prison, being in a pandemic, being in lockdown or a curfew or a quarantine, that's not the source of our situation. What we really should be focusing on and pointing our eyes to is what God has done in our lives. The grace, the unmerited favor that he's given us that we don't deserve. The freedom that he so freely gives us over and over and over again. That's why we rejoice, regardless of what situation we find ourselves in. It's so powerful when we really start to understand that, but it gets better. Look at this. He continues on. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. That one's a little bit more difficult to do, isn't it? Do not be anxious. I think all of us at some point this season of life have found ourselves overwhelmed with anxiety, with some anxiousness. And if you look at this word in the Greek, it's so cool. The word in the Greek is the word merino. And it actually means to be worried or to be concerned. But there's a more beautiful definition when you look at the Greek root, and it's to be pulled apart in many directions. You know, I never understood Tiffany's anxiety until I understood that definition. Because even though you may try to work really hard to fix one piece of what they're going through, there's so many other parts to it. So many other things that they're experiencing and dealing with that sometimes they don't even know or even know where it came from. And I love that definition to be pulled apart in many directions. And I think Paul's alluding to it and saying this, look, you're in a situation of life right now, just like I'm in prison. And maybe you've got a lot of thoughts running through your head. Maybe for us, it's job security, finances, family, health, all these different things that are pulling us in so many different directions. It's hard for us to stay focused and stay committed to God. But Paul's saying, no, don't be anxious. Don't let that control your life. Don't let that be the central focus of every single thing that you do. But he continues on, look at this. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Let me pause there. In every situation. This isn't something that Paul just one-off said. He actually says this a lot. He's referring back to Romans 8, where he says, God works for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. He's saying God moves in every situation you find yourself in, good or bad. God's with me in prison. God's with you in your quarantine, in your pandemic of life. And he's going to move if you choose to see him move. If you look for him to move, he's moving in the background. He's never left you. He's always been there. He says, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The word thanksgiving in the Greek here is this word euharistia, and it means to be thankful. But do you notice what's at the very center of this Greek word? Hyris, God's grace, his unmerited favor, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. That's the root of our thankfulness. We're thankful for the freedoms that God gives us over and over and over and over again for the grace that he extends to us again and again and again that we don't deserve, that we don't deserve at all. And it's so cool when we truly start to understand this because I think for those of us today, we need to know it's not about getting out of this pandemic, getting out of this curfew or changing colors in a tear. It's about focusing on what God's done in our life already and what he's gonna continue to do because he's faithful again and again and again. 
And we should be focusing on that rather than the present situation and circumstances we find ourselves in. Because if we do, it begins to affect how we live. It begins to affect really what we do and where we go from here because God extends his grace to us. It's so beautiful, but it gets even better. Look at this. It goes on to say this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Is that something you want? I want the peace of God. You know, when we look at the Greek for this word peace, it's the word arene, and it means the exact opposite of the word anxious. Remember, anxious was to be pulled apart in many directions. Peace means to be made whole, to be made complete. Jesus says, that's what I want to offer to you. I want you to be made whole. I want you to be made complete. You don't have to live a scattered life with just so many things going on. You need to surrender it to me. Give me control and watch what I do. Watch where I go from here. I think this is something that's really hard for us to understand. So I'm going to try to illustrate it in the best way that I know how. And being a former youth pastor at heart, I love cheesy illustrations, so that's what you're about to get. So bear with me here as I step off the stage and don't kill myself. This is your life. A lovely piece of round Tupperware. Little blemished, little discolored, little flimsy. But this is your life. A blank canvas of opportunity and potential. And as you grow up, you're really excited about this thing. Man, there's so many things that I can do in this life. I'm super excited. I can fill this life with whatever I want it to be. And so I'm going to choose to fill it the best way that I know how with things that I really want to do. And so as we start growing up and we start going through life, we start adding things to our plate. School. I want an education. I want to do something with my life. I want to be mindful. I I want to be significant in the world around me. So I got my school. You know what? I don't want to be alone forever. So I'm going to grab family. So I have a wife and I have kids or a husband and I've got kids and a family. That's great. But I'm trying to balance both of these. And it's a little bit more difficult as they're starting to move around this blank canvas of life. Say, hey, you know what? I feel that I've got school. I've got my work or I've got school. I've got my family. Let's add a job in there or maybe church, right? Something else that's there. And, And yeah, it's kind of separate, but it's still on this plate of life. And it's a little bit daunting. When I start to look at this, ooh, I almost just dropped my life. Um, When we start to look at this, it's a little bit confusing, right? Everything's kind of moving around. It's more of a balancing act now than it was with just one thing. But as we grow up, nothing ever goes as planned. This is a global pandemic. Big, heavier, kind of interrupts everything else. And we think, oh man, my plate's getting a little bit full. I'm a little bit anxious right now because my life is in so many different pieces. There's so many different facets of my life. I'm having a harder time balancing it. You know, this is pretty much all I can handle right now, but that's never how life goes, does it? You lose your job. Your kids are now stuck at home with you because schools are closed. Everything live stream related to Sunday service does not work this morning. (laughs) And as we sit here, we start thinking, man, my plate is kind of full. Everything's moving around. It's shaking. I can't add anything else. I am pulled apart in many directions. But you know what? I'm unhappy. My arm's getting tired. I'm getting weighed down by life right now. I don't want this to be. I know this is not what I've been called to do with my life. I know that God has something better in store for me, and it's over there, but I'm stuck here. 
And am I concerned at walking at any speed from here to over there? Absolutely. I'm terrified of trying to do that because this is all going to move around. And what happens if I trip? What happens if I stumble and fall? It's all going to come crashing down, isn't it? So I don't want to move, but I'm tired. I don't want to stay stuck here, but I'm filled with anxiety, right? So I start to move because I know that I have to. And as I move, everything starts to move with it. So it becomes a little bit more of a balancing act. And I'm overwhelmed with anxiety. And maybe you guys are overwhelmed with anxiety that I'm going to spill it all your way too right now this morning. But as I keep going, it's a balancing act, slow baby steps. But at some point, something happens. And what happens? My life came crashing down. I'm scattered in pieces. I feel alone. I feel empty. I feel devoid. I don't know what to do. My life's broken. Maybe that's where a lot of us are right now. Paul says that's not how you're supposed to live your life. Do not be anxious. Do not be pulled apart in many directions. Instead, present your request to God. And what does he do? He takes them and he makes them whole. He takes them and he makes them complete. Same amount of stuff, but now it's complete. Now, do I have any concern walking from this side of the stage to that side? Absolutely not. I mean, I did play sports growing up, and even though Pastor Carlos would pick me last for a sports team, and we as a church collectively approved in our business meeting I can't play sports, I do have the dexterity to walk from one side to the other of the stage, right? And so as I'm going, it's a lot easier. Why? Because I've been made whole. I've been made complete. This is what God wants for you. He says, you don't have to live broken and scattered and in many pieces. There's a wholeness that awaits you. Something that's more manageable, something that's easier for you to grab a hold of, and all it takes is by you surrendering to me, by presenting your request to me, saying, God, help me in this situation. And he says, let me gather all these broken pieces and make you whole and give you strength and give you guidance and help you as you navigate through this life. It's so cool when we really start to understand this and start to look at this. But how do we get that peace? What does that look like? Well, we can't get this, what it says in verse seven, peace without doing verse six. Look at this. Once again, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, his thoughts, his ways are so much higher than ours. He knows exactly what we need and he wants to give us this peace. Because when we begin to get that peace, you realize that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Now there's this great bumper sticker out there that I love, it's super cheesy, that says, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. Cheesy? Absolutely. <laughs> but true? Yeah. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you begin to know Jesus, he begins to make you complete. He begins to make you whole. And he starts to fill your life up with purpose. You know, there's a, a gentleman in our church who got to experience this firsthand, that once he got to know Jesus, he became filled with purpose. And as a result, became thankful for what was happening. Here's Gary McGinnis. Hi, my name is Gary. When I was growing up, my, my parents really never uh, took me or my brother or my sister to church but they were really, really strict disciplines. And they always seemed to find out <laughs> the things that I did while I was out playing. It seems like they had radar everywhere. They always knew when I was using bad language somehow. So 
when we moved up uh, to Orange County in, in 1965, I started attending uh, Anaheim High School uh, and some some of the kids that I went to school with, they actually invited me to the little church that was on La Palma and Anaheim. You know, summer camp came along and their uh, key emphasis was to make sure that every kid at camp knew that they wanted every kid to accept the Lord as their personal savior. And I thought, well, gee, I don't even know how. You know, I never went to church. I never had any exposure. I didn't know anything about what they were talking about. But on Thursday, they always take a hike up to the ranger station, the lookout. Uh, and, you know, I was walking along and I got tired and I stopped to get a drink of water and I was sitting on a boulder. And God just laid it on my heart that I need to get things right now. And he spoke to me and, and I, I didn't know how to pray. I just talked and, to myself and mentally thinking about you know, what he, what he could do. Well, that evening they have a campfire meeting and they gave every kid a little twig. And I didn't like speaking in front of anybody, <laughs> but they, you know, every kid had to come up and share and put their twig in the campfire. And I just, you know, went up and again, asked the Lord to come into my heart. And of course there was people that would help you. And, um, and that's how I got saved. It was just amazing how God knows exactly what to do in our lives, how to take care of us. And when I started attending this church, I was so thankful that I had a place to serve, that we have great musicians, we have great leaders here that know what they're doing, and they have a purpose. And they, you know, it's just so good to attend a church that's purposeful and does things to reach out to people and care about people. And I, I just am so thankful that I have opportunity to help with the uh, running the sound system and, and participating with the worship team. We've got great musicians and I'm just proud and thankful that I can be involved. Thank you. Gary, I'm thankful for you for the early mornings you spend here every Sunday helping to set all of this up and make this a reality, and all the work that you do behind the scenes that nobody knows about as well. We're grateful to have you here working with us. See, folks, that's what it is. It's all about having this gratitude that fills our heart. So remember what I say, gratitude is the gateway to peace. It's not some cheesy slogan. It's the reality of our lives. And we get that gratitude by realizing what God has given to us his grace, his unmerited favor, all of these forgiveness, mercy, reconciliation, everything he places in our life again and again and again, because that's what gives us purpose and makes us whole. You know, Paul concludes this part of his passage by saying this in verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters. Now the word finally means that we're coming to an end, so we're happy about that. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's powerful. That's really powerful when we start to look at that because what we think about begins to transform our heart. And from the overflow of our heart is what comes out of our mouth. And I think that we as Christians need to take some real hard looks at our lives to see what is it that's coming out of our mouths in this season of life. Is it complaining, nagging, annoyance, short tempers? 
Or is it praise, thanksgiving, and gratitude? Because that really shows what exists inside of us. Because as soon as we start to think about these things, the true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, the admirable, the excellent, the praiseworthy, it begins to push the negativity out. And it lessens more and more the footholds the devil has in our lives. It begins to push him out. But it starts with us having a grateful attitude by remembering what it is that God has done for us and using that as our motivation to rejoice and continue to push forward, even in these tough times of life. You know, as we close out our series, I can't think of a better way to illustrate the gratitude that we should have in our lives to break free from this pandemic of complaining than by taking communion, to really recognize what it is that God has done in our lives and to be thankful and grateful for it, for everything he does over and over and over again. So underneath all of your chairs, you'll find this little tiny communion packet. Go ahead and grab that now. We're going to collectively take it in just a minute. Remember how I said that gratitude is founded in grace, God's unmerited favor and what he's done for us. There's no better example of showing gratitude in the midst of hard times than I can think about Jesus himself. Because on the night that he was betrayed, do you know what he did? He gathered together his apostles and disciples. They met in an upper room and they had fellowship. They had a meal with each other where he broke bread and what? He gave thanks knowing full well what awaited him, knowing that this was about to be the end of the earthly life, he still gave thanks. Talk about motivation in the midst of our tough times of life, how we can still choose daily to have this attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude and recognizing what God has placed in our lives. So would you pray with me and then we'll take up communion. Father, God, we are just so grateful for your favor, for your forgiveness, for your grace, for life, for the freedom that you give us, that we don't have to be held captive by sin, Father, but we have been liberated. We have been set free by what you have done for us. God, we know that by your actions, we don't have to live a life that's pulled apart in many directions, but that you offer us peace. But you offer us completeness and wholeness, Father. And so, Father, as we take of this communion, I pray that you just instill in our hearts a grateful attitude, recognizing full what you have done for us, the juice that represents your blood that was shed to wash over our sin, and this bread, this wafer that represents your body that was broken so we could live and be strong. I pray that you tell us never to take that for granted. But let that be the root of why we rejoice, why we're grateful, why we're thankful. We love you, Father. We pray this in your name.